Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast in a different league, the place for traditions, tactics and tips on the official and original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, Chris Pilau and me, Jessica Parker Humphreys. And here's what you can look forward to on this, the first ever episode. We'll be bringing you up to speed on the fantasy league season so far, all the best and worst performing players in the game, who to stick with, who to get rid of. I've already axed some players from my team, but we'll have you covered looking at who's performing well. We take the first of many deep dives into all the weird and wonderful different leagues out there. This week, we kick off with the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League. And look, we both play the game. We know there's been a bit of upheaval at the start of the season. A couple of teething issues so far. Neil Mansfield from the Fantasy League head office joins us in part three. We'll answer some questions from our listeners on this, our official fantasy football podcast in a different league. So here we are at last. The Fantasy League podcast, eight weeks into the Premier League season. Jesse, it's good to be finally recording. All good with you? Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Obviously, we've sort of had this in the pipeline now for for a little while, and it feels great to be, you know, getting going. It's good to it's good to be starting, I think, you know, in the international break, having our minds turned back to the return of the Premier League on the weekend. Yeah, definitely. And look, I suppose our listeners will want to know why they're here. Well, not why they're actually here. Uh, look at us, 30 seconds in, answering the big existential <laughs> questions. No. Why they're here listening to this podcast, uh, what they're going to get from it. There'll be people who've been playing the game for decades, years, some only a matter of months, weeks. What do you think is the best way of describing what we're trying to achieve here, what they're going to get out of it? Yeah, what will they hear on this pod? First and foremost, we want to have this podcast as a bit of a celebration, really, of the game of Fantasy League. You and I have both been playing for a pretty significant chunk of time. We know there's lots of people who'll be listening who've also had Fantasy League as a, as a big part of their footballing lives for, for a number of years. And we just wanted to be able to show the game in all of its uniqueness and, and give it a bit of love. But also, look, you know, we know everyone's playing Fantasy League because... They want to win. You want those bragging rights over your mates. And we're hoping that we might be able to give you a little bit of those tips and tricks that might give you the edge as the season goes on, as well as shining a light on all those weird and wonderful leagues that exist, the the funny little quirks that everyone has. I think in the build-up to preparing for this podcast, I really had a light shone on how many different unique ways there are of setting up at the league that you're in and playing fancy league. And, you know, that's obviously what makes it such a special game, Chris, but just feel like we want everyone to get to, to see what's, what's going on in the big old fancy league world. Yeah. Look, I think that's one of the reasons why it, we called it in a different league. We want to find out about all those different leagues. We keep talking about the tips and yes, we will be giving tips and advice, but I feel it's very rich. I mean, I'm currently sat fourth in my league. Haven't ever won it before. And I'm going to mean everyone in my Speak league. Speak for is yourself. Going to... I'm top of my league and I've won three of the last four seasons. So, guys, come to me, not not Chris, for the yeah. tips, clearly. All the tips from Jesse. I, I can tell you how to put loads of thought into the auction uh, and then, yeah, overthink it and then always end up in mid-table. If that's what you want to do, I can consistently have you finished in mid-table. I feel like you're the sort of Roy Hodgson of Fantasy League. You know, you're you're going to be solid. You'll get the job done. 
but you're not going to be moving up the up the league. Oh, look, as a Crystal Palace fan, I can I'll take that. I'll take being the Roy Hodgson. <laughs> And yeah, look, we also, we want this to be an, an interactive pod. We want to get in touch with the Fantasy League community. Well, we want the Fantasy League community to get in touch with us. Um, and so it'd be great to hear, you know, all your questions, anything that you, look, anything you want to ask Jesse, any tips and advice that you want, Jesse, if you want to become a champion, is also going to be a very safe place where we can, you know, maybe discuss the manual assists in a way that have never really been allowed to be discussed and debated before. To find out um, a lot about everyone out there, all the Fantasy League community who are playing this game, not only featured in, in part two, where, where we will be kind of doing this deep dive with, with a different league every week, but also to hear from you guys and, and anything you have on a weekly basis. So we're kicking this off eight weeks into the season. The narratives are all set. Uh, the Premier League's taken shape. So has, it has as well in Fantasy League land. Uh, fantasyleague.com a lot of points have been scored already some minus ones too should we start by looking at the best performers so far like you said it's the international break eight weeks in Um, and who would have thought it that Ollie Watkins tops the best performers so far this season I think I actually had a look in my league and we think we think it goes all the way back for more than a year that Haaland hasn't been set on top of that table what a surprise yeah, and I think what's interesting about the reason Watkins has done so well is, and I feel like this is a theme I've noticed in my team, is that this feels like the year of the assists. Because normally we have like a sort of proxy stat in my league that generally whoever's team managed to get the most goals normally sort of wins. And I feel like obviously that was, you know, the big Harlan thing. Here's someone scoring more goals than ever before, but... Watkins this season, four goals, seven assists, putting him ahead of Haaland with eight goals and one assist. And when we're looking at some of those top scorers, there's a lot of players who've just gone big on assists. So I've I've got in my team Julian Alvarez and Musa Diaby, both of whom are in that top 10. Alvarez with four assists, Diaby with five assists. Is this, do you think this is a trend we're seeing, Chris, that we've got these you know players who are going to move towards sort of more of that double figures and goals and assists. And that actually it's that combination, which is the real point scoring. Because I guess, you know, especially when you look at players like Kane moving out of out of the Premier League, that Haaland aside, not many teams just have this one big goal scorer at the moment. Yeah, it could be. Like when I said, I mean, by the way, as a Ollie Watkins owner myself... Uh, a very big <laughs> smile on my face. And it, look, it's worth noting as well, Watkins is one point ahead of Haaland at this stage, 26 points to 25. Uh, but one of the reasons of my overthinking in the auction was actually kind of looking at um, where those points were going to come from. And for me, with, with Watkins, you know, looking for the set piece takers, but with Watkins, it was also the fact that he draws in a lot of fouls and he's absolutely done that. A lot of those assists that he's scored, he's got seven so far this season, have actually been uh, penalty assists, winning the fouls for the penalties, and then and then potentially scoring this, the penalties as well. Though he doesn't always take the penalties, I do know what you mean. Kind of like Harland has kind of been there as a bit of like a, a like a false like friend there, kind of like thinking that that's the way to go. But as as this sort of like out and out striker, because he's kind of like we know that he's one of a kind, but he's one of the kind in fancy points as well. Um, and you only need to look at Alvarez, who you have. Uh, to know sort of like the other sort of attackers out there and and what they're doing. There isn't really like a number nine playing in the same way that Haaland is so far this season. You see what Son brings to to the Tottenham team, 
what Alvarez brings to City, what Salah and Saka, you know, it's, it's very much, I've noticed it over the last few years as well, the winger becoming the forward, which is kind of a bit of a contentious issue, especially, you know, are they a midfielder or are they a, are they a striker? But a lot of them are becoming strikers now on the game. And it's kind of like that all-rounded approach, like you said, which they'll which they can bring to their teams and and to the game. It's no surprise. It kind of there was a moment, I think it was two seasons ago, where there was a lot of a few fullbacks starting to populate this list. But for a long time now, it's kind of it might seem quite obvious, but the sort of the midfielders and strikers, all greens and reds, as I say on the on the website, just populating this list quite a lot. Looking at this list, I was just going to jump in and say, as a Crystal Palace fan. We should maybe talk about the one defender who's managed to pop up on here. So what have we got? This is the top 20 biggest scorers. Do you you have Joachim Anderson in your team? I don't have any. I know I've got I've got Elise. I was going to say I don't have any players in my team. I've got my I've got Elise in my team, but he's obviously not scored points yet this season. But yeah, you're right. Anderson did not expect as a Palace fan either for him to be so high up in this list. Uh, not only that, I, kind of, the, I was looking at the goalkeepers as well, and Johnston is the top goalkeeper in the game, eleven points um, ahead of Raya Sanchez, Edison. Like someone in our league does actually have Johnston, and it's kind of that moment in the auction where he goes for him, and you're kind of thinking, God, it was his first ever auction, so you're thinking this guy doesn't really know what he's doing. But I can't believe it that Palace is, uh, are scoring so high in the in the de- defensive charts. I guess that's one of the things, and we'll see how that that pads out across the season. But I guess there's been some notable teams who maybe haven't done as well defensively. You know, I went for Andre Onana in Manchester United, and United have not been great, particularly defensively. And I've had to to drop him for Robert Sanchez. And you know, I mean, I'm a Chelsea fan, but I don't think I'd have thought that I'd be dropping a highly rated goalkeeper for a sort of Brighton region goalkeeper um, after eight eight weeks of the season or so. One other thing I have noticed on that, the, the overall point scorers so far, in our league at least, I know that every, you know, every league will be different, of course, is that money and the auction actually, it counted for a lot, which is, sounds like an obvious thing to say, but we, we if, if I look at my top scorers in our league and who owns who, that sort of top half of players Watkins Haaland Salah Saka Son they were all kind of the most some of the most expensive players in our league there hasn't really been a massive surprise other than those Crystal Palace defenders of course but we we kind of like got the impression in our league that we know what we're doing now ours is quite a young league in terms of I've been playing for a while but there are a few players this league's only been running a couple of years so a few players are only sort of like getting into the swing of things and there very much is a, a feeling of like okay we, we recognise the players, but but maybe as well that it's kind of like the obvious ones have been the top scorers, if that makes sense. Have there have there been any surprises for you in the in the Premier League so far this season in terms of a higher point scorer, other than obviously those those Palace defenders? Yeah, I don't know if there's been been surprises. I guess maybe there's players who potentially people thought would do better. For example, I the most money I spent on a player was on on Marcus Rashford, and he's not had a, an amazing start to the season Kai Havertz also went for a lot of money which I thought personally was my dad bought Kai Havertz and I think he'd reached panic stations at that point in terms of being like oh I need someone but I was like this man hasn't scored goals playing as a nine for Chelsea I don't know how he's gonna score goals playing as an eight for Arsenal and that's kind of proven to be true um so far but it's been interesting seeing we had our first sealed bids last week and there was some, again, big big money spent on sort of 
players who hadn't been picked up before. I know noticed Tayo Awani has gone for 15 million in a sealed bid, which would put him for us fifth in terms of the most expensive players bought in the, in the auction this year. So it's always funny when people suddenly look around at who they've ended up with and where they are in the league and you get these incredibly inflated uh, figures coming out for players. Yeah, especially when there's not that much choice. And even, you know, just before this international break, Man United playing against Brentford, it's players like when, when Scott McTominay scores two goals at the end, which will make some of those nervous, panicky uh, managers just end up overspending for someone like Scott McTominay and you kind of know that you're in a bit of trouble if you're if you're entering that sort of territory of doing that yeah I think also that's always funny when you get people who maybe don't pay as much attention to the Premier League as other people which is definitely something that we have in our league that you know sort of I think fantasy league is is sort of what keeps them interested as opposed to you know sitting down and watching match today every week so it'll get to the point where there's you know a sealed bids round and they're just doing doing what we've basically done and looked at who the highest scoring players are and you think oh Scott McTominay scored twice this season and you don't really necessarily see it as potentially a bit of a strange unlikely to be repeated uh fluke but shall we move on and just have a look at some of the the worst players I'm I'm actually astounded obviously it's not surprising necessarily that there's a lot of Sheffield United Burnley and Luton defenders rocking around this list I was astounded at how many minus points Sheffield United defenders had managed to accumulate. Yeah, it's kind of it's not a good look, and like, I'm very sorry to any Sheffield United fan, Sheffield United, Burnley, or Luton fans listening. But when the team is performing like this, they just very quickly just become ignored in a league. You know, you'd be a fool really to be even considering any of these players. You know, it's basically this. This list is populated by the defenders and the goalkeepers of those teams. There might be people who are so desperate who <laughs> who are going for these players, maybe kind of like looking at the fixtures, maybe they can think they can get like one clean sheet. But otherwise there, there there is just you've got to admit there's just no there's no point going for these for these players at all in, in fantasy league. And I don't know what it, what that's like in, in your league, but it stretches, you know, even into the midfields and strikers. I've got Cameron Archer for, for for kind of Sheffield United, and there's like a, a hope that look, and maybe everything will go through him. But really, those, these teams unfortunately end up becoming a bit ignored. Yeah, and I think it's all there's always a temptation. And for a number of years, I sort of did this and looked at uh, okay, of the three promoted teams, who's the striker who scored the most in the championship? And they feel like an easy person to maybe pick up for not much money and potentially do really well. But I've actually just been burnt so many times off that because. That step up is so big for a lot of these teams to the point where if you just don't have the ball, even if everything would go through that player, it's not necessarily. Although I will say I was burnt several times by Mitrovic and obviously then when he came up for like the gazillion time with Fulham, he then finally did score a load of goals. By that point, I'd given up on it. Um, But yeah, I think that's something that I always thought I was doing to get a bit of an edge and I had to take a step back and be like, this is not like you were much better going off and buying the striker from the team you think are going to finish 10th or 11th than thinking you're going to uncover this gem who's going to finish sort of 19th. Yeah, and it, you know, it depends as well how often you're, you have changeover in your league. If you've got a monthly, I know that there are some leagues out there which even have a weekly transfer window, then maybe you can start to be a bit clever here. And I'm very much one for, in our league, we, we have a monthly one. And one of the first things I'll do, you know, it sounds obvious, but I will just look at the the fixtures for every team. And if there is a team that is playing, you know, that has a particularly good run, then maybe you do try and take a gamble to try and get ahead. 
Uh, but like I said, I, I, at this moment in time, they're performing that much worse than the other Premier League teams that you're kind of like steering a bit clear. You know, let's be fair to them. It's not completely populated. We've got, again, a list of about 20 in front of us of the worst performing players. There are some Brighton players in there and we wouldn't have thought that at the start of the season. I know they've had a, a difficult start, but they've been letting in a lot of goals under the Zerbi. And there was obviously that, that game against Villa. But yeah, I certainly didn't expect to see these Brighton players in here, right? No, I definitely think Lewis Dunk is someone who's kind of towards the bottom of the worst performers. He's on minus five. That's having scored a goal this season. And Dunk, I think, is definitely someone who, if you'd wanted to go for a little bit of a, a hipster centre-back pick, he would have been a, a good option. Um, yeah, I, I steered clear of Brighton defenders mainly by accident because I, I wanted two of their attackers and we 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 only have two you're only allowed to pick up two players per team in our league that's one of those things that's that's really interesting when you're thinking about who you end up picking up because where a team finishes in the league isn't always like a great indicator of for example how many goals they score versus how many goals they let in e.g. obviously a team can finish mid table say with roughly zero goal difference but they could have been just scored barely anything but been incredibly mean I guess Newcastle would be a good example obviously finishing third at the end of the season but they didn't they weren't like prolific goal scorers it was that they kept a ton of clean sheets but you could equally have a a team in that same position who let in an absolute ton of goals I guess Liverpool are a team who also finished decently last season but we're just so, so leaky in defence. And look, it's happening a lot. It's a general theme in, in the Premier League anyway this season. You know, you only need to look at the sort of additional added time on the end. It is making a difference. And just generally teams are conceding more. So whereas in the past, you kind of like, you could feel comfortable with um, just taking your defenders from the top four or five teams. Well, firstly, it's hard to know who the top four or five teams are in the Premier League anyway. And kind of how the ones playing in Europe, how they're going to be able to juggle both. But also this season has just been, you know, even some of those bigger teams are preparing to, well, they're just conceding more goals anyway. And like I said, it's the the additional added time was a factor. It was spoken about a lot at the start of the season. Yeah, your defenders are expected to play for a lot longer now. The same with sort of like subbing off as well. Kind of like the opposite to that, the frustration of having a player like Zinchenko is a very good example of this for Arsenal. Arteta will always bring bring off Zinchenko, and if you're a Zinchenko owner, Arteta it's like Arteta knows he will. Arteta is bringing him off in like the seventy second minute, the seventy third minute. It's something that's happened in our league that actually someone got rid of Zinchenko, sold him to another manager because this was one of the big big reasons, and the other manager wasn't too clued up on that. But it's kind of like these things that you need to look out for now because is it worth having these big defenders, these big team defenders, if they're not going to score you the points? You need to have defenders on your team. Yeah, well, and I guess that that's also been the the interesting change, I guess, with when there were it felt like loads of attacking fullbacks and how that sort of you know changed. I guess obviously Trent Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson for a, a long time went as you know some of the most expensive players in our league because it was just felt like the, their attacking contributions would way outweigh you know any sort of defensive mishaps that they might have. But obviously, as that's kind of changed and it feels like, you know, those players haven't been able to offer as much, suddenly you're back looking and being like, oh, no, I need to think about how many goals this team concedes. And especially on a kind of like a week to week basis, I think, you know, that coming up after this international break, there are some big decisions to be made. You know, Man City playing Brighton, Chelsea playing Arsenal. 
even the Merseyside derby, you kind of like those ones where you're not quite sure, you know, do you play the defenders or not? A lot of managers are going to be left with big choices to make. I think what's been interesting with Man City over the last few weeks before the international break is obviously without Rodri being in the team, how something like that has affected their, you know, it's affected their team and kind of like whether even things like that happening in a team might influence your choices in in your fantasy league team, if that makes sense. So, you know, seeing how Man City, just at the moment, Pep hasn't worked out a way for them to play uh, without Rodri. And so then if you are presented with an opportunity where, say, Rodri becomes injured or suspended again, is that the sort of like decision that you could be making? OK, well, actually, maybe I won't play my Man City defence this week because I know that Rodri hasn't been in the team, for example. And maybe some managers can be a bit clever that way. I will say I'm always just a stickler for basically getting four max five defenders. So I never am really in a position like my defence, like once they've been selected, they are in because we have squads of 15 and I always just fill my subs bench with attackers just because I think they offer so much extra points value ultimately than defenders. Um, But yeah, I think it is obviously something that's that's worth keeping an eye on and and worth thinking about. I feel like with City, it's hard because even having, you know, lost two games on the bounce, they still feel so far ahead of of other teams, even without Rodri at points, that it feels like it wouldn't be worth dropping defenders. Although I have also ended up in this position where I got John Stones, which I thought was going to be a really clever tactic because he was going to actually play in midfield. So I'd get clean sheet points, but potentially he'd get, more attacking contributions. All he's done this season is is come on in that Arsenal game and get a minus one for, for conceding the goal. Yeah, it kind of it goes back to what we were saying, isn't it? As well, you know, they're they're conceding more goals, so maybe all the more reason to to do that. I've always been a four a four defender person as well. You know, two centre backs, two full backs. That's all I need. I do not want to be overthinking. But I think if you do have more than four and you are making those choices, someone in my league made the good point that you just kind of like maybe just you need to stick give yourself a rule, I will play, rather than sort of making the decision every week and fretting over, shall I play them or shall I not play them? Just, I will play all this defender in every game other than if they're playing Man City and Arsenal, say. And then you could just stick with that. I think there is a danger of overthinking. There certainly is in FPL. And one of the reasons we play this version of the game is that it doesn't give you as much sort of like FOMO and maybe a way to get rid of that FOMO, well, not FOMO, uh, overthinking, and a way to get rid of that is to actually just set yourself rules so you don't need to go in the weekend panicking. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's a good way of approaching it. So as I said, uh, Jesse, game week nine's coming up after the international break, some games with some big choices for some managers to make, and obviously absolutely thrilled that the Premier League will be returning. We've kind of touched on quite a lot there, well, not a lot and quite a lot at the same time uh, in a short space of time. Um, but from next week, when we're weekly, we can kind of have a bit more of a focused look on the week ahead, the week that's just been. And we invite people to to write in with maybe some of the d- dilemmas that they might have. Maybe, you know, whether it is whether they should be playing their Arsenal defenders against Chelsea or, or whether they really just can't let go of Sheffield United's Jack Robinson and we need to convince them that that, that they do. So please do get in touch with any of your questions, anything you've got to say to the team. You can reach us on email on podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk and on all our social media channels, including on Twitter at Fantasy League. So that's it for part one. In part two, we'll be looking at the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League. So 
So obviously part of the reason we all love Fantasy League is the uniqueness, that ability to come up with your own traditions, your own ways of playing and, and make that part of, of your weekly your weekly fantasy league. So we wanted to feature some of these different leagues to find out more about how the fantasy league community plays this game. From the oldest leagues in existence, the biggest, the smallest celebrities, the ones with the overly extravagant auctions, the ones with overly complicated rules and all the strange customs and traditions they abide by, we will be doing a deep dive into leagues from all over the world every single week. But where better to start than with Chris P. Lau's own Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League? Chris, tell us in one sentence initially what the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League is like. In one sentence? Wow. The best way to describe it. Oh my God. The best way to describe it. The, fancy, the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League is kind of, is very try hard actually, you know. The way that I think about it is in in that that it in in what it's trying to do. The best way to describe it would be to ha- perhaps to ask the spouses of everyone involved what they really think of it and how embarrassing it is. The fact that the so-called Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League, because it is named after the sponsor, my local off-license Garrett Lane Wines, and the fact that it's got its own podcast with ten listeners every week. Everything that we try and do around it that way, it's yeah, it's embarrassing. Maybe it's embarrassing. Try hard and embarrassing. I, I yeah. love it. That is that is what fantasy league should be. I'm sure. Um, yeah, let's start with the league's name, Garrett Lane Wines. It does what it says on the tin, listener. If you think it's named after an off license, it is named after an off license. How did you come to the conclusion that that's who should be your sponsor for the league? And and what does sponsoring the league involve for Mr. Garrett Lane Wine? Mr. Garrett Lane Wine, who is called Brendan. Uh, and Garrett Lane Wines can be found on Garrett Lane in southwest London. As the league chairman, I kind of went out trying to rename the league and I, and I went out looking for a sponsor. And and you're right, kind of what does a sponsor do? And, and usually a sponsor would pay a lot of money to have their name up on something where they'd get a lot of uh, more revenue for people seeing it all the time. But obviously we're a, we're a group of 10 and even though we're a few more than 10 know about our league and certainly a lot more will do now the sort of traditional route of going after kind of local breweries and that sort of thing which is something that we tried honestly no one was really interested they didn't really see what they were going to get out of it well they could look at themselves now they <laughs> brendan will be the one laughing uh, as this podcast goes out because now so many more people are going to find out about our league and perhaps even about garrelaine wines and so i walked into my local life local off license which is run by this you know brilliant man Brendan and kind of didn't really give him much of a choice by that point it's sort of been whittled down this is the only person that is going to do it and I told him look this is happening we're playing fantasy football we're going to name ourselves after your off license Uh, we're going to come in here once a month and we're going to get a manager of the month prize which you can award and the trophy can go up on the wall and it started off by you know him giving us a few a few cans of beer, but then it realised that we were coming back every month. So actually, he's not even fronting up the cash himself anymore. He gets the much better deal out of it. Um, but it's the place that we go once a month where he gives the manager of the month a can of beer, and it's also where our trophy lives on the shelf above the till at Garrett Lane Wines. Every brewery marketing manager in Southwest London absolutely kicking themselves after that. Um, you did say you you weren't sure that whether Brendan really understands what fantasy league is though you're just a a bunch of men who come to his shop once a month (laughs) 
Yeah, I think someone in the group, because obviously I share these videos, I'll go in and I'll do the Manager of the Month award and you know, say, okay, here we go, Brendan, you know, Reese has won it this month, do you want to do a little video for Reese? And it kind of, it's very cute in the video, but it's also, he looks quite confused. And someone in our league did question early on saying, you know, are his family aware of this? You know, I don't, I don't want him to think that he's being bullied or anything that people are making fun of him. And every single time I do go in, I do find myself explaining a bit less each time. So the first few times, he was very keen to find out where we were playing football, where our team was playing football, you know, whether it was in the pitches up the road. And oh, no, no, on it's, the it's internet, on the Brendan, internet. It's on the internet. And I showed him the app. I showed him the fancyleague.com app and I showed him the website. And he's a big Arsenal fan. So, you know, I was like, look, I've got Ben White in my team. And he kind of understood. But then he kind of, by the time a month goes by and I come back again, he'd forgotten everything that he had understood. But slowly piecing this thing together um, and I do see him around you know I saw him in the pub the other day and he came over to say hello so I, I don't think he is scared of of me I don't think he's worried <laughs> anymore and perhaps maybe his friends and family aren't either and like I say the trophy sits really proudly up on his shelf and he says that a lot of people ask him about it so yeah I think he might not have a full grasp on super subs and manual assists and everything like that but I think he slowly has come around to these the idea one of the things that made me laugh the most about your league when you told me about it chris was that you have 11 managers in your league but you only have 10 spots explain how this works because i think this is so clever so when we first started playing the league we i think someone he kind of like put a very audacious bet at the start of the season saying look if i'm bottomed by christmas then i'll uh, you know I'll, i'll resign or i'll get sacked and i won't be in my team anymore and lo and behold, he was bottom at Christmas. <laughs> and so we kind of found ourselves in a situation where we had to fire him um, and find someone else to replace him. So we brought someone else in. And then we realised actually this is quite good. This adds a lot of like a level of jeopardy. And we've kept it every season. So how it works is you're, if you're bottom of the league at Christmas, you get fired and the, the surplus manager takes over. And then if you're bottom at the end of the season, you get fired and the surplus manager takes over. Now, this might seem unfair because if you're bottom at Christmas, then you're probably, you know, your odds on going to be bottom or towards the bottom at the end of the season. But last season, someone came in, Mike came in, took over the team at bottom, sold off loads of players, generated loads of cash, went out buying um, more players and moved two places up in the league. So he kind of showed what is possible and it's made it even more exciting. So we don't really know um, at Christmas and it's going to happen again. And you might think as well that's a bit boring for the for the 11th person to just kind of like be sitting and staring and watching. I mean, doesn't even have access to the website to be able to see other people's leagues. But the WhatsApp group is quite active. But this person then becomes our independent adjudicator. Again, like I said, might sound boring. But what this person does is that he is suddenly the sort of the judge for anything contentious that might happen during the season. Um, and he also helps on the monthly transfer window which we do kind of strictly through WhatsApp. We don't actually use the sealed bids function. It's something we've been doing for a long time, but we, we actually, you you write to this person, uh, the independent adjudicator, who the players that you'd like to go for, and then he does a big reveal the next day saying, you know, who's got who. So there is a role for the 11th person, but they're just, you know, chomping at the bit, itching to get playing fancy league, and they're given the opportunity every six months. That's a really great way of doing it. And you did touch on when you started talking about being a try-hard league, that you have your own 
podcast, which I guess is now a, a rival to, to In a Different League as potentially one of the only other Fantasy League podcasts that exist. Although, listener, if you have your own Fantasy League podcast, of course, let us know. Uh, how how did that come about? I've I've watched I've watched the video. It's great. It feels very niche, but great. Well, it's very niche because I don't think they're more than you know. Like I say, it's got an audience of ten. Well, an audience of eleven. But I don't think anyone else would really understand what's going on. Like I said, you know, I I've, I've, I feel um, the fact that I called it tragic and embarrassing. It's kind of the first time I've ever really maybe described it in that way because uh, I've always been sort of like a champion for our own <laughs> for our own league and trying to push. Um, you know, be very positive about it the whole time. But we did decide that we wanted to... Well, they just decided they weren't getting enough content. The WhatsApp group wasn't enough. We wanted to find out more about the different managers. It's a it's a league where which came together a couple of years ago um, where not everyone knew each other, which was quite nice, actually. So it was a good opportunity to kind of, like, get to know people and to find out about them and to ridicule the players, the managers, who weren't doing particularly well. And so we just decided to do this kind of this video once a month, which is then called the podcast, which we release amongst ourselves. It's me and one of the other managers who's the co-host. And then we get guests on, but the guests are also one of the managers from the league who come on. Uh, Having said that, we have had some external guests. And obviously, you know, it's the place where I release the video, the, the Brendan Manager of the Month video from Garrett Lane Wines. We've had the partners of two of the um managers were on the podcast last month where they were sort of like talking about their partner's obsession with fantasy league and how much they hated it that was interesting we had a kind of like a contentious issue in the auction at the start of this season um where someone ended up with three man united players where our rule is they should only end up having two and there was a big is question this the mark. Lissandro debacle this is the Lissandro I, I want to debacle. dig into this Lissandro debacle so the Lissandro debacle was explored on the podcast uh on episode two this year and we brought in a lawyer to decide who was the uh <laughs> who was at fault because as league chairman I put in a kind of auction organizing committee at the start of the season saying that two of our members would be in charge of organizing the auction you know setting a date everything like that so that was Toby and Sam. And on the night of the auction, they were sort of like running the proceedings. And one of them said that he would be in charge of keeping a tally of how many players everyone had per team, because we've got a two per club rule. And so he said, look, I'll keep a tally and I'll let you know if you've got too many players and you can't make a bid anymore. So he, Toby was in charge of that. And one of the managers already had two Man United players, went for Lissandro Martinez, didn't get told by Toby... And it kind of created a bit of chaos when we found out later that evening, obviously the auction had continued and there was a big mess that had to be rectified. But the big question was, who's fo- who was at fault? Was it Johnny, the manager, who had gone for Lissandro Martinez? Or was it Toby, the auction organising committee, who had put himself in charge of keeping a tally? And so we got a lawyer onto the podcast and he decided that actually it was the organising committee, Toby, who was at fault and he, you know, he brought in precedents and all this sort of thing to, to decide. So, you know, really sort of like deep stuff that we've got to unpick in the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League. I hope there was a Johnny got in a the lawyer on a no fault, no fee deal to, to make sure he wasn't coughing up as a result. Um, I've got one more question, I guess. You've obviously been playing Fantasy League since 2012, mm. but this league didn't start till 2021. Is Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League the European Super League of? Fancy league well you, your breakaway league i was 
I don't think that the uh, the old league that I used to play in uh, had quite sort of like the big protests uh, that the European Super League inspired. Uh, and the breakaway league did end up, you know, has ended up turning into what it is. You know, I've, I've been playing since 2012 and very grateful to Ben Littleton and all of his uh, and the league that he was running to sort of like opening my eyes, introducing me into the world of of fantasy league as opposed to FPL, which I was growing a bit tired of. And it was kind of like you would have known and a lot of our listeners will this will resonate with them that kind of water cooler conversation at the office oh do you play fancy football and it's always a yeah but you know I play a different version of the of the of the, um, of the game and, and I kept telling people about it how much I'd fallen in love with this version the fact that we've got the auction it's a unique team and everything and that included you know some of my friends saying look this is the version of the game that I've that I've been playing this is the way to play this is the way to play and it created so much of a of a desire amongst a few of my friends to actually play this version of the game that they decided to. And I started off being there by being the league chairman and kind of like showing them the ways and I haven't really looked back. So yeah, apologies to my old league, but you know, this is the start of something new. It's not quite, yeah, the European super league or the, or the Saudi Arabian Premier league, but it's, um, but it's certainly different. And, and look, Brendan is very happy, very happy person because of it as well. Look what it's brought to the local community. That is true. That that the opposite of what could be argued about the European Super League. You've been community building as opposed to taking teams away from their community. Absolutely. And that's what really matters. Well, Chris, thank you for sharing with us the Garrett Lane Wine Fancy League. I'm sure we will obviously hear a lot more about it as the pod goes on, just generally. But we wanted to give everyone a bit of an introduction to, to your league. And next week, we will move on to discussing the Georgeborough Wednesday League, which is my league. So everyone will get a chance to hear about my slightly less esoteric Fantasy League. I feel like I should have gone first because my league's going to be... Um, not seen as exciting anymore. But no offence to the Georgeborough Wednesday League. We just haven't come up with as many exciting ideas as, as you guys have managed to. Well, you just fell for the trap that I fell for at the start. You know, I came in absolutely buzzing to talk about my league and how brilliant it is. But then when you start talking about it out loud on a podcast, you start realising, I know you start being so disparaging towards it. Um, <laughs> I'm almost too too scared to uh, for the, you know, for the Garrett Lane ones. Uh, league members to hear this part because uh yeah i've, <laughs> I've said how strange and uh, well i'll say how tragic it is but it's, it's it's not it's not obviously everyone can everyone can judge for themselves all the listeners that wraps up part two of the pod uh we will be back in just a sec with part three where we'll be talking to mr neil mansfield himself <laughs> So it'd be wrong for us to admit it hasn't been the smoothest start to the season and the Fantasy League community interaction has been at an all-time high for perhaps all the wrong reasons. Well, we're delighted that the old, or is it new, or is it old, website is up and running. Um, There's news of the app returning, as well as the head-to-head leagues, the European competitions too. And with us today is Neil Mansfield, one of the men behind the scenes at Fantasy League Towers, or as we call them in the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League head office. Neil, how's it been? Quiet summer? Refreshed? Yeah, hi everyone. Hi Jesse, hi Chris. Uh, yeah, it's been, well, as you kind of alluded to, slightly bonkers for all the wrong reasons, really. Look, I, th- I think the first thing to say is that um, I, I too am a, I'm a manager. 
you know, I'm not someone that sits behind the game and, and just sort of runs it. I've actually played the game for 25 years and I've got my own sort of stories to tell, hopefully some of which may come out during the sort of the following weeks of the podcast. But, um, you know, m- much like everyone that plays the game, I, I just want it to work, uh, you know, and I think that's the, the, you know, the mentality and the philosophy behind the whole sort of game and the conversations I've had with, you know, with chairs and managers over the last couple of weeks is, is pretty much exactly that. We just want the game to work. So, yes, it has been a rather a rather busy four to five weeks, you know, when we, uh, we've made the call to move back to the old platform, but uh, for the right reasons in the end. And hopefully now we can sort of take the game forward for the rest of the season and build on, you know, the strengths that the old platform had. And don't get me wrong, it's there are some inherent weaknesses that the, the old platform has, and that's not going to go away this season. But the, the, the positivity, you know, that it generated when we decided to move back was was enough, you know, for momentum to, to sort of take us through to the end of the season, for sure. What were sort of some of the reasons that you were looking to move towards a new platform and, and what have been some of the difficulties behind that? I think it would just be good to hear, you know, sort of what the, the journey's been like from, from your side this summer. Yeah, so the real simple reasoning behind it is that everyone knows that, you know, come the end of the season, um, that magic last day of the season crescendo, everyone builds up towards this fantastic uh, finale. And there are always, you know, issues with people trying to get onto the site, you know, for, for, for the right reasons, because that's, you know, it's the last day of the season where everyone's kicking off at the same time. And, you know, you can only play 11 players. Um, so you want to wait until that last moment. And, that causes, you know, untold sort of system issues. And even if we threw a thousand servers at it, the the way that the underlying sort of um, database is, is is actually built and written, it just can't cope. So we knew probably, you know, 12 months ago plus that the system, you know, really couldn't take us forward for the next five years. So about 12 months ago, we, we started looking actually a little bit longer than that. Uh, we started looking for a new development partner. And we appointed a, a dedicated sports development agency and asked them to build uh, a new platform for us that largely aligned itself to, you know, how people had played the game. So we didn't want to introduce anything new. We wanted all, all the core functionality to be there. Um, but just to try and improve the game and um, in the areas that, you know, we know that we, we struggle with, you know, uh, end of the season, uh, we know when there are lots of people on, you know, the system does and can slow down with accessing elements like uh, the player profile pages. But we wanted the new agency to develop a system that allowed people to be familiar with it. It wasn't something brand new. We don't want to take away all the core functionality. We don't want to take away all the product features. We don't want to take away all the beautiful ways and the unique ways to play Fantasy League. We just wanted it to work you know, and people to have a, a, a seamless, you know, season from start to finish. Neil, you alluded, you and the, the Fancy League team kind of in the email alluded to the the fact that, you know, the community had kind of like come together, um, but also kind of the reaction that a lot of people had had. They kind of come hand in hand now that it is behind us because it is. Were you surprised at how frustrated people were um, with the website and perhaps how kind of emotional it, it got at, at one point because of how seriously they take this version of the game. I, no, you know, the funny thing is about all of this is that, you know, I, I went through this six years ago. We went through the last upgrade. So from an empathetic perspective, you know, I absolutely got it. You know, I play the game as well. I was as frustrated as everyone else that the, 
in particular, the scoring wasn't, you know, as accurate as it could have been. And we actually got the system working about a month before, or maybe two months before the end of the season last year. So I absolutely understand and appreciate everyone's frustrations. It became quite an easy decision in the end for Andrew and I to make to revert the game back to the old to, to the old platform. So emotions aside, no, not at all. In fact, what I've done is is spoken to probably the best part of fifty or sixty, maybe even more managers, you know, over the past four to five weeks. The stories that I hear are we just we just want the game to work. We love the game. It's part of our history. It's part of our you know our social life. We bring everyone back together once a year. So I think what it what it did do is it just reinforced what an amazing community that we actually have. And I think we just need to find more ways of, of engaging. That's that's a terribly corporate word, isn't it? Of actually speaking to people a little bit more. And I think this podcast is a really good way of doing that. But also when we reached out and sort of said, look, we need some help, you know, from chairs and from managers to to help us work through the backdating of points. The response was absolutely incredible. You know, we, we had too many people. Um, I know that sounds that sounds a crazy thing to say, but we actually did. You know, we had a team for the first time ever of about 12 people working through. And I found some fantastic stories that hopefully we'll be able to share with those as well. So it has just reinforced through the disaster, perhaps, that perhaps the opening part of the season was that we have this fantastic community of people that have this wonderful interest in ensuring that the game works it functions and they can celebrate the success you know and we can we can hopefully do that now for the rest of the season too and looking forward i guess a bit now what sort of features can we expect to see returning over over the next couple of weeks and months right so it's been it's been a really busy last week this international break has come at the right time um so as everyone knows we've been running um on a subdomain which is auction.fantasyleague.com so as of Monday, we've cut back to fantasyleague.com. So you can now use the game on the old domain. We have also reintroduced, uh, everyone will be pleased to hear this, the app. So the app is now back uh, functioning as it was last season. I think there's a few small issues with player shirts, which was an issue last year. Uh, and we're going to be working through that over the next couple of weeks to get that going again. We've also opened up uh, European places for the competition. So the European Cup and the Europa Cup are now open for chairs to enter their teams. I think that date, the closing date for teams is around about the 30th of October um, off the top of my head. So just make sure that uh, chairs that you've entered all of your teams in. We are also working this week on reintroducing the head to head or the league series, which whichever you want to call it. Um, and we'll have more news on that, probably on email and on our socials uh, throughout the course of the next week or so. The head-to-head is our League Cup in the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League. So if you win the head-to-head, you win the equivalent of the League Cup, which someone actually did do last season despite finishing sixth in the table. So it was a real sort of like proper old-school cup run. We loved it. Well done, Kez. I think that's what's, that's what's so fascinating about Fantasy League. You know, there are... You know, so many different ways of playing the game. You know, you can have league, obviously your own league. And within that, you can have your own local rules um, and you can use your cups as, you know, European cups or whatever it is that you want to do. It's it's a fantastic um, platform. And we just we just hope that, uh, you know, for the rest of the season now, people will enjoy talking about about football and uh, perhaps the manual assist or two. Yes, indeed. Neil, you know, um, he listened to the to the first two parts of this podcast as well. Um, and obviously everything that we're trying to do 
including getting hold of as many people for that second part to you know feature as many of these different leagues as possible as someone who's been running the the, the site for a while now and also playing the game uh, like say for 25 years can you kind of like give an insight of the sorts of leagues that are out there and the sort of like people that that we may be um getting onto the you know obviously without naming but the sort of like this the, the types of of things that might be out there for us to start looking for so I, th- I think there's the way people play fantasy league varies so much from league to league. There are leagues that have been playing for, as I said, 30 years plus that used to sort of play when you'd have to sort of, you know, fax in your sub changes or your transfers, you know, that have been sort of now passed down through generations. So, you know, I think Jesse now plays with, with her with a father. That's a really good example. We've got um, some well-known sports players that play the game who may or may not be available for a chat on the podcast further down the line. Some rather interesting individuals. We have one of the helper. I'm I'm not sure whether he will mind me saying this or not, but I will anyway. James, uh, who helped us out going through the back dates, uh, he writes questions for Question Sport. So the the interaction of people, you know, uh, are absolutely uh, huge and, and varied from little small leagues where you might have three or four divisions of five teams in each league because they love the concept of promotion and relegation. You might have leagues who have got five divisions of 16 teams in each division, you know, and compete in a sort of a a corporate workplace environment. You know, we've got plenty like that as well. But a real, real mixed bag of teams, leagues and, and players. Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting to to be able to hopefully dig into to some more of those those stories as, as the weeks go on. Thank you, Neil, for, for joining us. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of things that have been going on. So if there are any questions we've not had a chance to cover off here, I don't think this is the last time we're going to have Neil on the podcast. So remind you can get in touch with us podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk or you can find us on at Fantasy League on the website formerly known as Twitter. Uh, but Neil, thank you for, for talking to us today. Oh, thanks very much for, for inviting me on. Um, I just wanted to, to finish off just by sort of personally going out there and thanking um, the, the chairs and the managers that came in. So a big a big shout out to, uh, to, to, to both Tims, to Graham, uh, to James, to Lizzie, Liam, David, Mark, Fred, and Brett, who I forgot when I thanked him on um, social media. So, uh, Brett, there you go. Your own little, uh, your own little points on um, on a lovely podcast. So, um, I am available. You know, if email um, by all means into uh, the podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk, and I'll I'll pick up any questions that I can. Great, thanks, Neil. So, this is now a weekly podcast. We're up and running. We'll be back next week to talk all things game week nine. Seeing if Ollie Watkins has stayed on top of the pile, I hope so. Uh, We'll hear from Jesse's League and there'll be questions from our listeners, maybe some more questions for Neil, some manual assists, queries, uh, perhaps, Neil. Do get in touch and if you want to be featured on the In A Different League podcast, then please do write in the email address, as we said, podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk. We can't wait to hear about all the weird, wonderful, fascinating perhaps not embarrassing, tragic, as I said them, uh, leagues that exist out there. But please do, if you think that is you, then you can say that too. Um, Thanks everyone for listening. Looking forward to next week's episode. We've been your hosts, Chris P. Lau, Jesse Parker Humphreys. Thanks to producer Simon, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 